Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Acts chapter 18, beginning with the first verse. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. Corinth was about 50 miles from Athens. It was considered the most influential, but also the most corrupt city in all of Greece. It was a magnet for the shadiest people in all of the Roman Empire. It was home to the temple of Aphrodite, where sacred prostitutes religiously served every possible sexual vice and every possible sexual but I don't even know what you call some of that stuff. Possible. <laughs> this place was just a corrupt and foul place. Like some parts of the DMV. But let's keep going. <laughs> and he found a certain Jew, Aquila. Good relationships seldomly fall out of the sky. You usually have to pursue high quality people if you're going to have a high quality relationship. And it says, and he found. There was no one in this notorious city to welcome Paul. So he asked around for the type of people that he was looking for. And I want you to see the intentionality of relationships here. For he found a certain Jew, Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. Now, Priscilla and Aquila would become his closest uh, and most loyal friends, you know, in, in all of the Bible. Uh, they became the Paul what, what, what Lazarus and Mary and Martha was to, to Jesus. And, 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 and Paul, like me, there's nothing I value more except God than relationships. People matter to me more than any other thing in life. And if you're going to be a high-caliber person, it ought to be the same with you. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. Now, Christianity was considered a part of Judaism at the time. And when the emperor kicked out the Jews, uh, the Christians had to follow. Uh, but, you know, when one door closes, the other one opens, right? So they were, you know, they thought it was, uh, you know, a bad thing that happened to them, but actually it was God setting some things up. And Paul, because they were in Corinth, came to them. Again, friendships are no accidents. If you want to meet good people, you got to go where good people go. You know, if you spend all your night in the kennel, don't be surprised if you come home with dogs. <laughs> right? So if you don't like the folks you're bringing home, you need to pay attention to where you're going. Come to church every now and then. Amen. Get involved in the ministry. You'll meet a different type of people to take home to mom. Verse 3. So because he was of the same trade, Paul sought after and found someone he had something in common with. Again, we, we think friendships just happen. Paul found these two people. And if you want quality relationships, you're going to have to do some seeking and some what? Finding. 
How many of you know the, the holidays can be the loneliest time of year? Yeah, that's true, even for the best of us. But here's the deal. The best time to make a friend is before you need one. And the best way to make a friend is to be one. Well, he found some folks in the same trade, and the Bible said he what? Stayed with them. A high fashion model was quoted to say, friends are like diamonds, beautiful, bold, rare, and always in style. When you find a friend, when you find honorable people, you better hold on to them. And Paul stayed with them. Then it adds, he wasn't, you know, one of those folks that just, you know, drink up all your Kool-Aid, watch up all your television, and, and sit on your couch. How many of y'all know some folk, okay? Yeah. But Paul wasn't a freeloader. He stayed with them, and he worked. How many of y'all have, you know, one-sided relationships? Paul wouldn't let that happen. You know, a great way to, to really get to know people is by working with people. And the way you work says a whole lot about who you really are. It said, for by occupation, they were tent makers. Now, Jewish rabbis were expected to learn a trade. And I tell young people that want to go into the ministry to make sure they learn something else first, lest the ministry tarries. I couldn't even begin to count. I can't count if I use my hands, my wife's hands, and probably maybe all my kids' hands, all the number of part-time jobs I held before I got to a place where the church could begin to fully support me. Verse 4, it says, and he reasoned in the synagogue every, how long? Or how often? Every what? Sabbath. He was in church every time the doors what? Open. Even though he worked a full-time job. Come on. Come on. Add sugar and stir. And he persuaded both Jews and Greeks. You don't have to work exclusively for a ministry or in the ministry to wholeheartedly serve God's ministry. Paul just started where he was. When Silas and Timothy had come to Macedonia, though, this is a little time had passed, we see that something has shifted. The language is a little abstract here, but it says this. I'll explain what he's saying. Over time, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit and began to testify to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. And when you look at the original language, you begin to see that at this point, when, when Timothy and Silas came, Paul started doing a little less tent making and began to teach and preach just a little bit more. And, and here's the deal. Your gift will eventually make room for you. It doesn't always start out all comfortable where everything's laid out. Eventually, things will fall in line, but you've got to start where you are. But when they opposed him, Paul's only offense was telling people about Jesus but trouble always had a way of finding him. I've learned if nobody ever opposes you, it's probably because you aren't doing anything. Mm -hmm. 
You, okay. I love you being in this congregation. I tell you, see. But if you never deal with trouble, never deal with problems with people, because you're not doing nothing. But watch this. But when they opposed him and blasphemed. You see, they thought they were opposing Paul, but they were really opposing God. Am I preaching to somebody today? Actually, the language in the text communicates the idea, or it's more than the idea, the fact that it became an organized campaign of naysayers. And they called him every dirty name in the book and persuaded others to do the same. Have you ever been on the end of something like that? I know I have. It's a tough experience. But watch what he did. He shook his garments and said to them, like a workman shaking off his, his apron because he knows that, you know, the filings are just part of the job. Does anyone hear what I'm saying? When you're really doing something for the Lord, the opposition and, and all the rest is just part of the job. So like a good uh, tradesman, he just got up and he shook off the profanities, the accusations, the lies. One of the hardest parts of being a leader is facing the personal attacks that come with the job. But if you can't handle that, you can't lead. Watch what he says. You're going to read this thinking he was being vindictive, but he's really quoting Ezekiel. He said, your blood be on your own heads. Let's go to where he got that from. Ezekiel 33, 8. He said, if I say to the wicked, oh, wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way. That wicked person shall die in his iniquity. But, but watch this. But his blood I require at your hand. He's saying, if you don't warn them, pastor, if you don't warn them, mom and dad, if you don't warn them, uncle, if you don't warn them, teacher, you hear what I'm saying? If you don't warn them, neighbor, you also become responsible for their sin. This is why I don't play games up here. I don't just pick my message. I'm too afraid of God to mess with this desk. Watch what else he said. He said, but if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your own soul. Ezekiel's saying, our only responsibility is to lovingly tell people the truth, but we can't make nobody eat it. I could tell my children what's right, but they too old now. I can't make them do it. Acts 18, 6. Paul proclaims a biblical principle. He said, your blood be upon your own hands. I am clean. I used to blame myself as a pastor, as a friend, you know, as a brother, said, hey, you know, for other people's decisions. But I've learned in life, God hasn't assigned me to control anybody. My only assignment is to control me. 
And by the way, that's a big enough job. I don't need to mess with trying to control you. I'm enough. He said, from now on, you got to know when to cut the losses. I will go on to the Gentiles. Here's the deal. There were millions who had not heard the gospel once. But this group wanted Paul to argue with them over and over and over again. Some people will never hear no matter how much you care. And sometimes you just got to let folk walk away. And he departed from there. And he entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Now, Paul did not leave Priscilla and Aquila's home. He continued to stay there, but he did leave from preaching at the synagogue. This is important. You see, God did not judge this synagogue by burning it down the way most of us would expect judgment to come. He judged the synagogue by removing his servant. Did anybody hear what I just said? Sometimes the judgment of God is God removing those who care. Sometimes the judgment of God is God moving you from the righteous. And many times we judge ourselves by leaving those who help us the most. Verse 8. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord, watch this, with all his household. Paul handled this crisis so well. The synagogue ruler that opposed him became a follower of Jesus. This was a major breakthrough for the church at Corinth. And finally, Paul and the kingdom was gaining momentum. And then it continues. And many of the Corinthians, the least likely man, after hearing, believed, and were what? Baptized. But here's where the story kind of takes a shift. You see, nothing came easy for Paul. Every place he began to succeed, opposition would invariably show up. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 23, we're not going to turn there, 2 and verse 3, forgive me, tells us that in the midst of this victory, he says in, in Corinthians, he said, though I was with you in fear, weakness, and trembling. And he was speaking to the Corinthians about this visit. He was saying, in the midst of this great victory, the Apostle Paul was actually fighting depression, fear, and despair. And it's amazing how life can come together in one area and start to untangle and fall apart in another. And in the midst of this victory, he was dealing with some personal issues that we're going to read about in this next verse, because God only speaks to you in your area of need. He said, now the Lord spoke to Paul. See, Paul's problem was every time he took 10 steps forward for the kingdom, he would personally be knocked 15 steps backwards. Meaning he'd go into a city and 
change the city, man, but he'd leave there with wounds and scars, broken relationships, broken bones. And after a while, you get a little bit shell-shocked. You know, uh, at this point in his journey, that's what Paul was feeling like. He, he, saw, he saw things growing, things moving and expanding, but he's like, oh, Lord, now, every time we start to move this ball, somebody hurts me bad. Somebody cuts me bad. So some, somebody does something. So the Lord knew what was going on in his heart. Now, the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Paul was doing what God had directed. But the problem is when he got quiet at night, he laid his head on the pillow. Doubts would start to swirl. He said, was I unkind? You know, did I quote Ezekiel with a bad tone? And maybe, Lord, I'm, I'm just too hard. I'm too, too rigid. Lord, are they going to hurt me like last? God, that hurt bad. Is everybody going to walk away from me again, Father? And as he lay in his bed, fear would grip in and set in. And he's like, maybe this time, Lord, I should just quit while I'm ahead. Maybe I should just leave good enough alone. And, and Lord, maybe, maybe I just go to the next city, you know, and, and just, you know, just, 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 you know, just, just, you know, you know, again, quit, quit while I'm, Lord, you know, I'm, God, every time, every time, Lord, I open my mouth and I try to bless, I end up hurting and cursed. And maybe it's just, I should just leave well enough alone and go somewhere else. Why these folks still like me? So Paul is trying to sleep and God speaks to him. He says, do not, it's my word to you, this time is not going to be like last time. Do not be afraid. The Greek literally reads, stop being afraid. While his head was on that pillow, he was thinking about what happened at Derby where people stoned him in chapter 14. While he was laying there in the shadows of the evening, we're, we're, we're moving across the walls. He thought about what happened at Philippi, where they not only beat him with rods, they, they, they jailed him in chapter 16. You may be thinking about that friend that lied on you. You may be thinking about that, 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 that friend whom you loved that turned on you, but I have a word for you. This is a new chapter. That might have happened in 14 and 16, but in chapter 18, things are going to be a little bit different. Paul, do not be afraid. Stop worrying because your past does not look like your future. What was will not be again. I am God and there is none other. He's saying, Paul, Paul, Somehow I feel what I'm saying, you know. Yeah. Paul, I need you to forget what hurt you. But Paul, don't forget the lessons you learned. You needed chapter 14. You needed chapter 16. So you could get to this chapter in your life. 
change the page. It's a different day. It's a different day. It's a different day. I tell you by the word of the Lord, it's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. He says, young man, young woman, husband, wife, don't be afraid. Speak and don't keep silent. Paul, just keep on doing what you're doing. For I am the great I am. And I am with you. I got you. I know you're a little uncertain about the people around you, but you can be certain about your God. Watch what he says. Watch it. He said, no one. I know 14. I know chapter 16. But this time, no one will attack you to hurt you. I know what it looks like. I know what they did last time. But it's not going to happen the same way again. This chapter will not read like the past. I feel like I'm at New Year's Eve already because this is our word for the new year. It's our word. But watch this, I'm rounding the final base and we're going to get out of here early. For I have many people in this city. Notice the reason. It wasn't because God changed or God became different. The reason was because the people were different. The quality of people you got praying for you, pulling for you, matters more than you ever imagined. And because of the people that God raised up in his life, this chapter would not look like his last. Because of the people God has surrounded you in this season of your life, this chapter will not read like the last. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.